Game seven, L.A. Dodgers at Pittsburgh Pirates, Saturday night, August 6th, PNC Park, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In the meeting place of Three Rivers, a land of infinite bridges, rolling hills, and iron city beer, the visiting out-of-sync Dodgers met the young, scrappy, Sandlot-style Pirates. The folksy charm of the region showed itself in an Appalachian-like twangy national anthem sung in duo. The fledgling buckos had a host of babes in the wood. Boston gave up on prospect Freddie Sanchez, but the leadoff man and third baseman looked fine, beating out infield hits in the first two innings and tripling past the lunging, out-of-control left fielder Repco in the fourth. Number two in the order was little center fielder Chris Duffy. He had four hits, three off left-handed pitching, and was batting 360 since being called up from AAA. These were great table setters and quick, aggressive base runners, stealing bases at will on the seemingly oblivious Odalis Perez and scoring five of the Pirates' nine runs during the contest. The heart of the Pirate order, Canadian-born rookie outfielder, rookie of the year Jason Bay, recently recalled first baseman Husky Eldred, and fiery Juan Castillo came through seemingly every time the little guys would get on base, and then the big guys would knock them in, banging out six RBIs on an array of crisp singles and gap doubles. Even little shortstop Jack Wilson, having a tough year batting only two thirty-three down in the eight hole, stood tall, whacking a second inning double and the Bucks' only home run into the left field seats in the sixth. All in all, Pittsburgh barraged three LA pitchers with fifteen hits, many of the clutch variety, and the Pirates played heads up, errorless ball in the field as well. The Pirates played baseball freshly as if they had just been taught how to play and just loved getting it right. In fact, this was literally true, and manager Lloyd McClendon and his staff must have been beaming throughout this one. The jewel in the center of the diamond, though, was young lefty Zach Duke, who pitched like a mature veteran hurler, in control throughout, even when surly Dodgers center fielder board game Milton Bradley hit his second double of the game and one-dimensional third baseman Olmedo Sines got L.A. within two with one of his three hits. Duke righted his pirate ship and retired eight in a row in the middle innings, including whiffing the side in the seventh. That inspired a slew of epithets from the mouth of Bradley and brought about an intense terse stare-down at home plate between the unlikable Jeff Kent and the amazingly patient and smart home plate umpire who stayed 10 yards away, but didn't back down an inch from his punch-out call. The only sad thing about the blue-chip kids like Duke starting a major league career 5-0 and and Bay, a young all-star with a home run bat and graceful movements and a sure arm in left field, was that 60-year pirate fan moaned, they'll be gone in two years to New York. In the present era, small market teams like Pittsburgh got their cradles robbed regularly when their best young players became free agents because they can't compete salary-wise with the Yankees, Mets, Angels, etc. when it comes to holding on to these kids. One senses a little dismay and frustration in these franchises who perennially finish fourth and fifth. 
The Pirate fans love their baseball and their history, but are still watching interviews with Pop Stargell from the Champs of 1979 on the scoreboard after the game. The L.A. Stumblers are another story, the once marquee organization who gave Jackie Robinson his chance, boldly moved to L.A. during the most successful period of its Brooklyn past, and fielded longtime championship teams under Tommy Lasorda with lifelong names like Garvey, Say, Russell, Wills, Drysdale, Koufax, and Newcomb, had messed up things beyond comprehension. The club we watched get spanked by the hustling pirates seemed disconnected, isolated from one another, and out of it, even though with a few good weeks of baseball they could actually make the playoffs in a completely sub-500 NL West. Kent was playing out of position at first base because they decided the veteran second baseman couldn't hack it there anymore. Bradley in center field constantly called off his corner outfielders on balls that were coming right to them. They glared at him and went back to their stations in silence. Repco bungled around left field like a delirious wild beast being bitten by poisoned frogs. Pitchers Carrara and Alvarez looked overweight and served their extra meatballs up to their opponents. Starter Perez, a seasoned lefty who should know better, twice didn't even look at his base runners, enabling them to perform double steals without catcher Navarro even being able to throw. Even the managers seemed tired, leaving left-handed pinch hitter Lede up when McClendon sent in left-hander Grabau and watching him take three pitiful waves at his pitches with two on in the eighth after Sign's big home run and two singles had started L.A.'s only impersonation of a rally. Could he not be bothered by finding a right-handed bat on his bench? Maybe he didn't know their names. And Sines, a magnificent right-handed hitter who had DH'd for years on the Oakland A's, was playing third like a crash dummy. He booted Bay's grounder in the first, leading to an unearned run. He misplayed another grounder in the second, but mercifully wasn't charged with an error. His worst play of all was on Eldred's easy grounder leading off the fifth when he had hours to throw and he amazingly winged it wide to the misplaced Kent, who didn't know the footwork well enough to prevent the error. All in all, the pennant-contending Dodgers were totally outplayed by the lowly Pirates and were an embarrassment to the term Dodger Blue. The Buccos won easily 9-4, the dessert being the ninth-inning appearance of aged, herky-jerky, erratic closer Jose Mesa and a kick-ass fireworks show about a treasure map to a pennant nowhere in sight. It's a secret. The youthful, inspired pirates, a sellout crowd of knowledgeable, loyal, polite, appreciative fans, a beautiful new stadium, and a unique city made this a memorable, authentic baseball experience. Postscript. Both managers were fired at the end of the year. The Dodgers needing more than a new manager to play well. The Pirates' McClendon, a good teacher, being... Well, let's say that the pirate faithful lost their faith in his teaching methods, although I think he was doing a good job. Next week, Art and the gang travel to Cincinnati for a hot afternoon game at the Great American Ballpark between the Cincinnati Reds and the Florida Marlins. Who will be hotter? Don Trell Willis on the mound, the overheated vocal crowd, or the temperature at game time. More than one messy pickle on this hot day. In the stands, they can be funny, but when they happen on the field, it's a different story. Even so, 
you'll want to hear about some of the spectacular plays in Game 8. This close Game 8 between the Home Run Reds and the hobbling Florida Marlins. Subscribe to the Baseball Trip at the iTunes Music Store or Artlandy.com. <laughs>